Carrie and I used to have a very bad habit. Well, maybe we still do at times, but we used to have a bad habit. We would overspend, but that's not really the habit I was speaking of. We would sell something only to buy it again. So we would, you know, we would we would buy seasons of something on DVD, and we would keep it for however long we kept it for. And then we decided we didn't need it anymore, so we would sell it to get the money. And then, for some reason, we would decide we needed it again. We would buy it again. There's a whole lot of wasteful spending going on there. We would have to pay multiple times for things that we should have only had to pay for once. To pick up in our third week this week, in the series Hosea, Love That Never Quits, we found our prophet in much the same situation. Uh, last week, we discovered the progression we can have going from our own foolish pursuits to godly promises. This week we come to what I believe is probably the best summary of the gospel really found before the New Testament. Out of Hosea's 14 chapters, chapter 3 is by far, by far the shortest. There are five verses. But within those verses we see the gospel painted, painted very clearly in, in my eyes. It's a, it's a story as heartbreaking as it is hopeful. A story that communicates not only Hosea's pitiful condition, but, but God's great love. A story of the old time gospel. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hosea chapter 3, and join with me now as we begin reading there in the first verse. And it says, And the Lord said to me, Go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. I said to her, you must live with me many days. Don't be promiscuous or belong to any man, and I will act the same way toward you. For the Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come with all to the Lord and do his goodness in the last days. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you for loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people say. Poor Hosea. A man called by God to loving a woman who feels herself drawn and called to love other men. That's Hosea's story. And he has a decision to make here when God comes to him. What is he going to do with his wife? Because honestly, God doesn't force us to do things that we don't want to do. He calls us to things. He asks us to do things. And we can either do those things or not do those things. And so Hosea really has a decision here. According to the law, he can stone her and be done. According to the Israelite law, he can take her in front of the assembly. They would take her out outside of the camp, outside of town. They would stone her to death and he could be done with her. He could do that according to the law. He could just be done with her. After all, she's owned by somebody else at this point. Somebody has bought her, purchased her. Or he can redeem her. God's command to him here is pretty simple. Go and love your wife again. That's it. Show compassion. Beyond what she's done, beyond where she has been, love her anyway. That's the command. 
The command is simply to love. No more, no less. She doesn't say to do anything else. She says love. Love her in spite of who she is. Love her in spite of where she's at. Love her and show love to her. Make sure that she knows that she is loved. And that's the picture of God here for us, right? That's who God is. No matter who we are or where we've been, He shows us His love. No matter how far we've fallen or, or how long we've been gone, His love is there. That's God's love. His command to Hosea, love your wife in spite of her actions. The gospel always begins with love. So Hosea goes to love his wife again, but he finds a problem. <clears throat> Notice in this passage, there is a problem of what I'm calling here position. More directly, it's distance for, for Hosea. Gomer has chosen to leave. She's gone chasing again after her foolish pursuits. She's gone chasing and doing the things that she feels like are going to bring her joy and happiness that she finds quickly makes her entrenched in her sin. She finds herself that she is literally owned by someone else, literally chained to someone else. Her problem is that she's in the wrong position to be with the one she's supposed to be with. It isn't that she isn't his. She's still married to him. But now she's also owned and chained down by someone else. There's someone else in the way. That's the position we find ourselves in. Sin in our lives changes our position to be farther away from God. We're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. If anybody ever tells you they are, they're lying to you, therefore they're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to sin. We're going to do things that are wrong. We're going to make choices. We're, we're going to step off into places we don't need to be in. But when we do those things, it changes our position from where we are with God. Because it puts distance between us and God. We have this problem of position. When we, <clears throat> in general, we're created for relationship, humans. And we're created, really, to be in relationship with God and relationship with each other, but with God first. But yet we chase after things that move us farther away from God. And we allow other things to exist in the middle of our lives. We allow other things to, to become important to us in those ways, and eventually we become chained to those things. Eventually, if we allow something to go on long enough, it becomes this habit, it becomes this thing that we can't seem to get away from. How often have you found yourself there? There's this one thing that you've always meant to give up, but every time you start, something grabs a hold of you and pulls you back down. Something just holds you where you are. Eventually, we become like Gomer. We're owned by those things. The relationship we're supposed to have has something in the middle of it very hard to have a relationship with somebody with somebody in the middle of it. I can't say that Carrie and I would have a great marriage if I don't talk to her, but I talk to some other woman that I know somewhere else and I call her and do that. I can't say that's a great marriage because there's something in the middle there that gets in the way. That, that makes us have this thing. And we find ourselves that sin has perverted our position. We're created in the image of God, created with a relationship for Him, but sin ruins that and gets in the way. It makes itself our own. Sin demands a price. Sin demands a price. And at first, that price isn't that much. At first, the price is just a little. I got in one argument, but it's okay. 
We're not talking to each other anymore, but it's still okay. And when we start wading off into this stuff, or, or you know, depending on what that sin is, that thing that you put in the way, it's, well, I, I'm, I'm only missing fellowship once. But then it becomes twice, and it becomes three times, and it becomes easier and easier. And we find ourselves suddenly going, we used to be our own. We used to be our own and with Jesus, and now we're not. We used to belong to God, but now somebody else has a lean on our very being. Somebody else is holding the lean and saying, okay, here it is. I've got this part of you. This belongs to me. Sin ruins relationship. Hosea is there seeking to love his wife again. But now she has a lean against who she is. Can you imagine that scene? The man of God standing in the crowd at the auction block waiting to buy back his wife, the prostitute. <laughs> I bet he wished he could be anywhere else but there. I bet in that moment he wanted to be anywhere else. I mean, one by one he watches as slaves are brought and bought, but there's no Gomer. But then there she is and the bidding starts but it's much higher than he thought. I can't afford that. I'm, I'm going to lose her again, but, but God said show her love, so he bids everything he has, everything that he can. This sum that Hosea had to pay to get Gomer was high for Hosea. This wasn't a sum that he would carry in his wallet. This wasn't something that he had to just lay it around. This was all of his savings, maybe a huge line of credit. This was something that would hurt him in the short run. This was something that was a major cost. The price of Gomer's freedom and salvation was huge for someone like Hosea. It's interesting to note here, though, that the value given by the owner is probably a small one. While expensive to Hosea, the owner was selling Gomer for half off. That's how little he valued her. That's sin in our lives. That's the devil. That's what he does, right? The world, we run after these things that we think will bring us joy, but it sells us cheap. He puts us on the auction block for a cheap price. I'm done with you. I'm going to pass you off to somebody else. You know, when God came to buy our salvation, the price He paid was everything He had. Everything. He didn't give a little bit. Do you ever sit and ponder how God chose to save us? Because He's God. He could have done anything. He could have literally said, well, you know, I made up this law anyway. We don't have to follow it. Right? God had the power to do that. God could have said, there's no need for any, any, any sacrifice. There's, there's no need for this. We can, we can just wipe the slate clean and say, let's just, just start up. That's not what he did. When God came, he, he sought to redeem us in a way that would fulfill the things that he had set up, and the price was high. How high was the price? I'll tell you a story. There was a man one time walking in the, in the mountains with his son and his son's best friend. And they were walking, you know, and you've been in the mountains in Colorado. Some of those trails are pretty steep, and they were up on a trail. And as they were walking along, 
Dad stopped to, to, to show something, and the kids, the boys turned away, and they got too close to the edge, and they both began to slip and fall. And Dad jumped down as quick as he could, and he grabbed both boys. He had one in each arm. But there was no one around for miles. There was no one to help. There was nothing that he could do. And he sat there, and he looked at these two, and he knew that he had a choice to make. He knew as he sat there hanging off that cliff, looking at his only child and his child's best friend, he knew that he could only save one. He could only make sure one would have salvation and get back to his family. Only one. And he looked into the eyes of his only child and he said, I'm sorry, son, but I have to save this one. And he lets them go. That's the price that God paid. That's the price that happened. He looked down at the cross. He wasn't just simply that Jesus died. It wasn't even that he was tortured. It was that he looked into the face of his only begotten son and said, Son, I love you, but I have to save this one here. Son, I love you. And in the garden, Jesus cried out, Please take this cup. And God's, God's answer is, I'm sorry, but I have to save this one. It's the only way. You were born for this moment, Jesus. You were born for this right here. This is why you came into the world. I imagine there was a moment when Jesus cried out from the cross, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, that God wanted to say, Stop! There was a moment when he was like, I, I can't do this. I can't. But God didn't say, Stop. God looked down, still saying, My son, I love you. But I have to say this one next to you. That's the price that God paid. That was the price of our salvation. That's the wondrous grace that God has given us. Not, not just, oh, you know, I'm going to offend everybody, but oh, oh. It has always boggled my mind that we wear these little shiny crosses on necklaces. The cross isn't a pretty thing. It's, it's, it's not a thing that, that we look at and we go, oh, how beautiful. The cross is an ugly, gross thing. It's a thing that took the life of the one who, who, who came and walked this earth. The one who created this world died on that cross. It's, it's a grotesque method of, of, of torture. And, and, and crucifixion was something that was only reserved for the worst of the worst. Because when you got on that tree, everything, every fiber of your being, you, you had to put into breathing. I understand it this week. When you can't breathe, Life is rough. On the cross, the only way to breathe is to push with all your might upon the nail that goes through your feet. Just to get that one breath. And then to let it go. That's what, that's what God did. He knew. Our salvation and our freedom was bought with the highest of prices, but it comes with the smallest of expectations. Expectations for Gomer and for us are the same. The only expectation God has for us to accept His gift is to live an authentic relationship with Him. That's it. That's it. 
There's not this long rule book. There's not a checklist. There's not all these things that I have to do. His, his literal only, his only command, his only expectation, live with me many days. Don't be promiscuous. Don't chase after other people. That's it. The connotation here isn't a simple cohabitation. This is to be present. To be engaged in a relationship. I've talked before about the difference between knowing someone and knowing someone. There's a Dallas Cowboy superstar that I met one time. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Should have told you what sport team it was. Oh, well. I was driving the train to Fort Worth Zoo. And he and his family came in. And as I pulled up to the station, I watched as he... Everybody was in awe, so he bounced his way from the back of the line to the front of the line. And nobody said anything. He didn't like me. Because I got off the train and he started coming in. I said, no, sir, you go back where you were. They've been waiting for 15 minutes. You can take your time. And he goes, do you know who I was? I don't care who you are. This is my train right now. And you're going to go in line and let these kids see what an adult is supposed to do. Now, I could say that I know that person from one, inter from, from one interaction, but I don't. That's one interaction. It would be wrong of me to take that one interaction and think he was a despicable human being. It did bother me when on Sunday morning I was watching church on TV and I saw him on the front row of the church. But that, that's neither here nor there. But I didn't know him. I met him. And I threatened to throw him out of the zoo. But that's all. But I know my wife. And we talk. And there's a relationship. Because we try to be present. We try to be engaged. That is live with me. Be around where you're supposed to be as opposed to the places that you shouldn't. That's what he says to her. That's what he says to Gamera. You just need to live with me. And don't go off chasing that stuff. Live with me. That's what God says to us. Just be where you're supposed to be. Live with me. Spend the time you need to spend with me and don't go chasing those things over there. Because those things over there are not going to bring you the happiness you think they're going to bring you. That's what God expects. A relationship where everything is shared and spiritual intimacy is the key. That we stop and we say, okay, God, I'm going to share everything. Do you ever try to hide things from God? We all do it, right? We... Well, I hope God didn't find out about this. He already knows, but I'm going to act like and he doesn't know. Because if I thought God knew, I would be embarrassed. But the spiritual intimacy means that we say, okay, okay, God, I'll share everything. He doesn't want just a Sunday believer. He doesn't want a congregational Pharisee. What a congregational Pharisee is. Um, their favorite phrase is we've never done it that way <laughs> I may look for a job today um, 
but that's what the congregational Pharisee does, right? Because that's what the Pharisees did. When Jesus came in and started saying, you know, I'm going to heal this person who needs healing, and I know it's the Sabbath, and they went, but that's against the law! And he said, who's the, who's the Sabbath for? And they were like, we've never done it that way before. And the fact of the matter was, they never did it the right way in the Old Testament. That's why they ended up in the exile to begin with. And so now they were overreacting. And so it's, he doesn't want that kind of person. He doesn't want us to always say no. No. Because we, we've known those people in our lives, right? That person who, well, you know, we should really, we should really try to, 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 let's have a chili cook-off. Now, we did that before. It didn't work. When? 1965? That's 50 some odd years ago. Let's try something else. He doesn't want us to be that kind of person. He wants us to be in a relationship with Him. He wants a love and a relationship deeper than we've ever imagined. He wants to be first. He wants us to be, he wants to be the first one we talk to. When we get up, He wants us to talk to Him. Good morning, Lord. Thank You for, for waking me up again. Thank you for allowing me to sleep last night. Thank you that I'm still breathing. Thank you for all that you give to me. He wants us to be the first to talk to. He wants us to be the first one that we love. God, I love you. I love all that you do for me. He wants us to be the first one to serve you. I will go where you want me to go. The other thing was, must not be a prostitute. For go marry, this is self-evident. Don't go be a prostitute. For us, it goes much deeper. Don't sell the things of God for any cost. Don't sell what belongs to God for any cost. It's funny because you're on Facebook enough, you have the memes, right? But, and there's always one that shows up. Would you live here for a million dollars if you never blanked again? So one of the day that said, unless you actually had the cabin a million dollars, shut up. But here's, here's the thing. Most of us want to go, want to, want to reply like that. But even if he had the cabin of the million dollars, would we want to accept it? Should we accept it? Because what would that mean? If God has called you to a ministry, and the ministry is here, and the cabin is in Oregon, can you accept it? We can't sell the things of God for any price. We, we can't do those things. We can't dirty the relationship we have for the sake of what we think we might get. Sometimes the grass is greener because that's what the subject takes. Don't dirty the relationship. Do not sully the reputation of that relationship. We cannot be intimate with anyone else. Don't share that part of you that is wholly God's with something else. It's God's. Don't take what's God's and put it in service of the world. That's tough. We live in the world. We live in the world. I do, maybe. Maybe y'all don't. I live in the world. And the world is an insidious place. You know, as much as I love Facebook, sometimes it's just evil. I mean, 
and their algorithms they use to, 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 to figure things out. I'm like, you know. I don't know what women's clothing has to do with tools. <laughs> but when you go on Marketplace and search for like some kind of tool and you have women's crop tops, and I'm going, what does it have to do with this miter saw? I don't understand. But because I'm a male, those are the things that show up. See, and I thought it was just me. Because here a few weeks ago, all of you, some of you, not all of you, some of you, said, well, that doesn't happen to me, Brother Troy. I don't know what you've been searching. Well, I'm in a dad's group. And this other dad said, why is it that every time I get on there, it's a whole bunch of half-naked women? And I said, thank you! <laughs> because it's the devil! The devil will use everything that we use to get into us. And we have to war against it and fight against it. We cannot let our guard down. Because what the devil wants to do is take what is God's and put it somewhere else. He wants us to serve another master. He doesn't want us to be faithful to the Lord. Because then we have this promise, this amazing promise, because God promises that He will be faithful to us. <clears throat> Here's the crazy thing to me. You must live a many, many days. Don't be promiscuous or belong to any man. And I would like to stand way towards you. God's promise is not dependent upon my faithfulness. We shouldn't do those things. We shouldn't chase after the things of the world. We shouldn't sell ourselves to other things. But God doesn't say, well, if you do those things, I'm done. It's not what He says. He says, I will be faithful to you. No matter how many times you fall, I'm still going to be there. No matter how, how often you, 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 you find something you want to say, I'm still going to be there. I'm going to be there. How many ever times it takes for you to get this right, I am going to be there. And I'm always going to be there.
Sin creates a problem of position in our lives. God pays, pays the greatest price for our salvation. He expects such small things for us in return. And He promises that He'll always be faithful to us. The story of love that doesn't end. Love that never quits. Maybe this morning you've been finding yourself chained to something else. Man, it's so easy to do. Because we had this issue in our Christianese society that we take the word sin and we think dirty. Sometimes sin isn't exactly dirty. Sin just is something that goes against what God wants us to do. Maybe, maybe your chain is finances. I'm held down by my trust in my finances. Maybe your chain, maybe your chain this morning is your children. That's a hard one. We love our children. We can't love our children more than we love God. We don't like hearing that, do we? Because that's hard to do. I know it's hard for this daddy to do. It's hard for mamas to do. It's hard for mamas to go, I'm going to love God more than I love my babies. And our children can become the thing we're chained to. Maybe you're chained to something else entirely. Maybe there is something that, that, is, that you haven't talked to anybody about that you know has been coming between you and God and you need to let go this morning. Now's the time to let it go. Now's the time to say, I'm going to be free and holy gods. Because when we're holy gods, amazing things begin to happen. Maybe this morning, you're just now realizing the great price. I think salvation comes in shades. Because I think people get saved when they're little and they truly believe and they truly are saved, but they don't understand until much later, oh my goodness, this is what this means? Maybe today you went, it's never dawned on me, that's what that meant, and that's what, I, I cannot believe it, and now you want to be thankful to God, now it's time. Maybe today, you're ready to say, okay, God, I'm going to live an intimate relationship with you. Or maybe today you're just ready to rest in the promise that He is faithful to you no matter how many times we fail. Because so often we don't rest in that promise. I really did it this time. There's no way I can, there's no way He really, yeah, He will. Doesn't matter. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to be His. I want, I want to be wholly committed to Him. I want to accept His gift. 
and I want to walk in relationship with Him. Now's the time. It's easy. You walk the eyes of the trial and I know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessing.